0: everybody, welcome into a fireside chat with myself and Grandy. We've got a special guest, Tim, from uh, anybody that follows him on Twitter. You follow him under the uh, Yotes Trade Central handle. Um, This is going to be our draft primer. Uh, We're going to be talking about prospects, uh, potential uh, news involving Mitchkov that we got earlier today. And we're going to talk about who we think the Coyotes should go with. We've also got a couple of listener questions later on in the show. And we've got a couple of uh, little bonus questions that I'm going to throw at our guest as well as at Grandy. So, how are we doing tonight?
1: Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Getting done with a long stretch of work. So, I'm looking
2: forward to that. But how are you boys doing? Doing great, guys. Thanks
0: Thanks for having me on. So, Tim, we're going to start with you. Um, last year, you were at the draft in Montreal. Um, I, I've never been to a draft. I don't believe Grandy has either. Uh, for anybody out there that hasn't been to one, what was that like, getting to go, getting to watch the picks take place, the trades on the floor, just the whole experience?
3: It was awesome. I think uh, pretty much everybody who's interested in the whole process has to go to at least one um, I think last year was a pretty crazy first one to go to just because uh, you know, it was you're in Montreal, they have the first pick, and you're just seeing the commotion of, you know, I, I walk I walk into the arena and I turn to my left and the first thing I see is Frank Saravali and uh, talking to some guy. Uh, and then I look to my right and I see the Roberto Luongo just walking around. I'm like, where the hell am I? Like this is this is insane. Um, uh, and then of course, you know, all the prospects are walking around. It's just, it's just, it feels like a big mixer and everyone's just kind of like, everyone is so accessible. And, um, I think walking to and from the concession stand, like halfway through the, uh, and on day two, um, I passed, uh, like Bill Garen and, uh, Joe Sakic, just like walking around to and from their tables and stuff. Um, it's just it's it's a crazy experience I feel like everybody should go to at least one if you're interested in it
0: did they uh, did the NHL or the city kind of put on anything that maybe we didn't get to see on TV watching the draft Um, I mean I know they show like prospects walking the red carpet and stuff like that but were there any kind of events or or even even the Montreal Canadiens did they put on anything that made it like an over-the-top event or was it real draft focus just kind of business as usual um there was definitely uh i kind of showed up for just before
3: maybe like a half hour before start time but it looked like people were there for hours they had like a beer garden like this crazy outdoor space with like stages and lights and, and bands and stuff and it just looked like people were just literally tailgating this thing um just a sea of Habs jerseys half of them had Shane Wright on the back of him already, which I thought was really hilarious. Um, <laughs> uh, I think I saw two Slavkovsky jerseys though, so those guys definitely won a bet. So, um, but yeah, it was it was it was a, it was wild. Montreal, obviously, they're they're hockey crazy people in general, right? So they, I feel like Nashville will be much of the same, just more of a party atmosphere than a. I mean, they're quite the hockey town now, but. Yeah, they're definitely going to probably
0: step up to that too. All right. So does anybody throw a catfish in Nashville? You know what? I've been thinking about it.
3: I'm like, am I, I'm, I'm in the top deck. I think most people are in the top deck, but hopefully the the guy a couple rows behind me doesn't get wise and throw a
2: fish, and get guts all over me, but.
0: Grandy, what do you think? Are we going to see a catfish in Nashville?
2: Oh,
1: it feels like such a Nashville thing to do. I'm going to say yes at their pick
0: at their pick. I like it. I like it. I I honestly hope we, we see it. I, that would be kind of like a, a cool thing that, you know, maybe the fans do that kind of just leaves that city's mark on the draft. So, but without further ado, uh, we got Bob McKenzie's list came out earlier this morning. Uh, Just. A little bit before we get into the Coyotes' uh, picks at six and twelve, and and who he's got ranked there at six and twelve, uh, the big story is Matvey Mishkov coming to the U.S. Uh, he's expected to be here tomorrow, either tonight or tomorrow morning. Uh, tonight being, you know, Thursday night time of recording, uh, or Friday morning, and it's expected that he's going to meet with most of, if not all of the teams in the top 10 and interview with everybody, which kind of goes a little contrary to what Friedman had reported on 32 thoughts that he was going out of his way to kind of avoid talking to certain teams and almost position himself to go where he wanted. Um Grandy, originally you were big on Mitch at six, uh, if he was there, he was your guy in uh, a couple of our shows. I think you even had him there in our mock draft. If it's true that he's going to meet with all 10 teams and he's not necessarily pushing for one specific team anymore, are you back to taking Mitch at six?
1: For me, absolutely. Simply because I believe that the talent level is unmatched by anybody else you could take there. He. <sighs> We forget just how dominant this kid was uh, when he was playing in international tournaments and when he was playing against his peer. And even once he left uh, Dynamo Moscow, that's his team, right? Once he left there to go play for Sochi, he, he dominated there and helped them secure a better record than they had prior to him going there. He was a huge driving force of that. This kid is legitimately good and just jumps off the page like that. If he is indeed not uh shy about coming here, absolutely. So this is so, something where So
0: hang on, let me let me change that question cuz maybe that was a little too vague. Just because he's meeting with 10 teams doesn't necessarily mean he's willing to go to all of them. If your if the coyotes what, are still left in a gray area where yeah he might yeah he might not do you still take that risk if
2: it's a gray area i personally still take the risk
1: i completely understand uh, gmba not doing it though and i mean we're not going to be a part of the interview process for me this is 100% I love Mishkov. I love his game. I would love to see him in the Coyotes uniform. And I know if the Coyotes take him, it's because GMBA feels safe taking him. But I'm not going to be upset in the slightest if we pass on him. I'm not going to say, oh, we should have gone him at all, ever, at any point, because I understand that GMBA passing on him likely means GMBA feels we couldn't get him. So.
0: So, similar question for you, Tim. Uh, thoughts on Mitchkov? Thoughts on the news of him willing to to at least come to the table with our lottery teams? And do you take him?
3: Well, I mean, what I can't really say much that hasn't already been said a million times by everybody. Uh, like Mitchkov's obviously probably... It, he he's probably he's Bedard's peer in terms of offensive output and or just his offensive talent, I should say. Um, purely offensively, I think he's he rivals him as the best player in the draft. Um, he's not a perfect player by any means. Uh and I think that uh if the coyotes draft Mitchkov at six, it's because they know something we don't. And I'm totally okay with uh, like uh, I'm uh, I'm totally okay with them passing on him for the same reason. If, if there, if he falls to us and management knows that, you know, we're not, it's not looking good. Maybe he didn't say he didn't, he didn't look Bill in the eye and say, you're not on my list. Sorry, buddy. Um, but he, I'm sure they're smart enough that they can say, well, that, was a pretty cold interview or, you know, it really felt like he was just there because he, his agent made him come kind of thing. Um, then two things I can see happening are, you know, people talk like, I'm sure he's talked to the top team, the five teams above him, and thinking, you know what? We really have a good feel that none of these teams want Mitchkov. Uh, we can maybe trade down with, uh, Washington or, or even, you know, Detroit and balk at the idea of taking him to try and get something out of it and move down and still take our guy. I think that's something that could happen. I mean, it's a little tinfoil hatty, but uh, you know, he's 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 wheeled and dealed before. So I think it's I think it's something in the in the realm of possibility. But if 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 the day comes and number six, they call Matt Vichkoff from Scott St. Petersburg, then you know what? hell yeah because then i just know that they feel like it's happening and the worst case scenario is we have his rights and you know obviously you want a player out of this you don't want a another headline in the athletics saying that we can't sign our players or no one wants to come play for us but i mean i'd rather have a ticket to the Mitchkov show for sale than than not you know at the end of the day so that's just kind of how i feel about it but Ultimately, you got to trust the staff,
2: you know?
0: So we'll circle back to the potential for a trade as we get into the Coyote's picks. Last question on Mitchkov. Assuming all of this were to work out and he was to come here, um, it's been reported that he's got some character issues. Does that bother either of you guys? No, because
1: for me, the... I. The outlets I've seen reporting the character issues are questionable at best. Even Bob McKenzie today, I was listening to the PHNX show that he was on, and even he today was kind of the same. Made it seem like, yeah, these aren't really all that there. From everything he's heard, he's got great character. Um, so for me, I'm not too concerned about that. It's. Russian kids always seem to get labeled with the bad character, no
2: matter no matter what, and I don't I don't understand that. Tim, your thoughts?
3: Yeah, you know it's unfortunate because uh, even in the past, you can, in a much more severe degree, you can see scouts using that same kind of uh, language to try and put down a player that you know maybe they discriminate against straight up uh this is an old man's league and i feel like a lot of things like that uh you know it's not long past the days of don cherry just disparaging european players on national tv every weekend you know um just because they're european really um and i'm sure there's a lot of old old head mentality like that still in the league you know they see a russian kid who's got the the fucking the world on his shoulders and they go uh you know what like he has some opinions where he wants to go or you know maybe he he maybe is a little arrogant you know these kids have been told they're they're the greatest thing since sliced bread you know since they've been playing their 13 year old year half of them you know so maybe he does have a little bit of a complex but at the end of the day there's a lot of players in the nhl that are assholes (laughs) so it's you know and and the ones from uh king city ontario or you know some little small town in in uh british columbia are never gonna be scouts aren't gonna be saying they have character issues yeah i think the same thing uh, was said about brad lambert um famously just plummeted he was he was up and down the rankings but he plummeted to the jets i think at 30th overall um and you know he looks like a fantastic player, and you haven't heard a peep since about his character issues since he's come, uh, since he's come over from uh, uh, Liga. So, you know I don't buy it. I think uh, I think it's old head scout stuff, uh, really. At the end of the day, um, and it's unfortunate because well, could be fortunate if he falls to six and we get you know the best player we've ever had in our franchise history. Then thanks, I guess, but.
0: Uh yeah, I don't I don't
3: buy it. I really don't buy it.
0: Yeah, I'm going to agree with you guys on the character stuff. I especially with what you said there Tim about it being kind of old heads talking about um, you know, basically just players that they don't like from certain regions. Um it is a well, real it's a sensitive
3: topic too, right? Like the the whole Russia thing, like oh yeah the, geo, the wrong geopolitical
0: way. climate right now is terrible and and let's say maybe Mitchkov's got some, you know, uh, national pride, you know, being a Russian born player and wanting to come play in the NHL, play in the best league. He's still Russian. I mean, if, if you were, let's say you were drafted into a European league and you were coming from America and, and you were proud of the United States and you said a couple of things that maybe weren't so agreeable in Europe, you know, that, that could be taken by a European scout who's scouting you for a European team as a character issue. If, if it kind of goes against the grain of what's acceptable where you're playing. So for all we know, Mm -hmm. those are the character issues that are being brought up. Right. And we'll never, we'll never know. Right. We're not, we're
3: not the guys in the room. We're not the guys. We're not the few people he's letting come interview him or talk to him at the rink. And you can you can read into all that all you want, but at the end of the day, it's we we're just never going to know till it's too late, really. So,
1: and another thing with Mishkov is, I don't think there's any question at all that this kid is cocky. He is definitely cocky,
0: and that tends Absolutely. to rub
1: some of some of the old heads the wrong way. So,
2: yeah.
0: Yeah, there's you can you can physically see the the difference in temperament and mentality and and all of that between him and Bedard. Bedard is uh, he knows he's good, but I I read a um a story that his mom basically came out said he hasn't had fast food in five years. Um, he, Holy you shit. know, the, the way he carries himself, the way he acts, the way he trains he he knows what it takes to be good he's very humble in himself um he knows that you know what you put in your body affects how you play how you are how you grow and develop um that's that's a very adult and very humbled mindset it's it doesn't have that cockiness you can be a great player um but you can understand that you didn't get there on talent alone and you don't stay there on talent alone. I think that's a big difference between the two. And yeah, it it is noticeable. And maybe that, that could be where some of those character issues stem from as well. He, he is kind of a cocky kid, but you know, he's Corey Prondman basically said he's got the highest upside of any offensive upside of any player in the draft higher than Bedard. If you're being labeled with things like that, I get where that arrogance comes from, especially at that age. You know, it's, it's hard to be humble when you're, you're that young and looked at as a phenom like that. So, but moving on to pick six and pick 12. We'll start with pick six. Um, right now, as of right now, um, Bob McKenzie's lists come out. They have Ryan Leonard at six. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just ask Tim, uh, your thoughts on Ryan Leonard? I don't want to get into what Grandy and I have on him because we've talked about this at length about what we think about the Ryan Leonard pick at six. Um, Tim, your thoughts on Ryan Leonard going to the Coyotes at six?
3: Yeah. I mean, I don't think I got anything groundbreaking, uh, on him that you haven't heard from, you know, some of the more qualified folks, but, uh, Ryan Leonard would be a great pick because I think he brings, uh, kind of a high floor player, very uh reliable guy uh, in terms of um just how how he can play and how, what he can bring to the to the forward group. Um he seems to be the safest in terms of uh, the players in that range just because I think he's more of a um he's more quantifiable uh, I know, I know for a fact that a lot of people think look at that U.S. NTDB line and they go, "Wow, like we got to get you know Will Smith, and if he's not there, we got to get Ryan Leonard." Um, but some of the things like Stats aside, he obviously had an incredible season, but some of the other things that I've just you know picked up on him over the this, this last year and a year and a half, he's kind of been on my radar. Just he, coaches love him and he just does he's just down for everything he's just a dog like he'll he's always an, he's a gym rat he's you know he's always trying to get better he's you know like you said a lot about uh bodard you know like, has he fast food and like whatever like i feel like he's he's got that same mindset he's got the killer instinct he's got the you know this is what you need to do to be great thing and i don't think we've had anyone like that really uh i know I know we've obviously had great players like you know Keller's a great great player and he's obviously very committed, but we haven't had like a McKinnon type, that's been like you know you gotta you know he's like slapping past out of his teammates' hands and whatever whatever the story was last year. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, when
0: when uh, like a teammate makes a a bad pass or whatever, and McKinnon would actually shoot a puck at him, or something like yeah, that. Shoot it into their yeah. skates or something like that, and and he'd and, be and mad Leonard, about it
3: yeah and leonard you know from all accounts uh he's got that bite too you know so i i think you know people want to say uh i think the buzzword now is kachuk matthew kachuk he's like the big player everyone wants to emulate now and i and i guess if you want to sell this guy to your to your owner you know who we're picking at six overall he's got a little of that in him he's got a little bit of the bite he could even be pet like a He's like a super if he turns to if he turns out to be Matthew Chuck, we're all laughing, right? Um, but he's definitely got that high end with uh skill with the drive to match, and I think that's what makes him so attractive at that pick.
0: If you're Armstrong, would he be your pick, or do you have somebody else in mind? Well, if I'm Armstrong,
3: you know, I'm looking at him just a shade under six feet, I'm thinking we have Cooley, we have Gunther, we have the high skill elite, uh smaller frame guys who in no stretch of the imagination are gonna be weak players. I think that they're still very like they're gonna put on muscle, they're gonna be a good size, they're not like Andrew Cristal running around at you know, five six or five eight, sorry. It's not that short. Um, but if you know when when I'm thinking about what the coyotes need and like how just just going over last year's draft i can't help but think that dalibor dvorsky is the guy at 6 um mainly because his again he's another very high floor guy um he he plays a very reliable like 200 foot game already which is crazy for his age like that's usually something you need to work on the most because they have the skill they have the you know maybe they have the other intangibles like I said about Leonard like the drive and the tenacity and all that but um Dvorsky has a complete game and he plays against men today so how does he project how does he get better and better he just i think today it just came out he signed a deal uh in Sweden um so he's going to yep. Yeah, he's going to be in the SHL until 2025-26 and i think that's a good thing i think that's great i think that's the best place he can be and that i think that also i think that raises his stock in the coyotes office honestly um, but divorce dvorsky is such a great offensive talent with a complete 200 foot game with his that frame too that i think bill is going to be like well, okay he's over six feet he's 200 pounds he's he's not a he's not a he's not going to lay you out but he's going to enforce his will on you in the corners and like and, and and work harder than you that that's what excites me about Dvorsky. i look at him and i think of Anjan kopitar and i just think of what if what if the coyotes had kopitar in 2012 instead of the kings <laughs> you know and i just it's it's just really exciting there's so many, there, there you really can't go wrong at this pick which is insane to say but You really can't.
0: Grandy, you and I have both had Dvorsky at six for quite a while now. Uh, I think you switched over when all the reports about Michkov came out. Um, I've been willing uh, Oliver Moore and Dalibor Dvorsky to be the Coyotes two picks going on probably about three months now. Um, I'm still there at Dvorsky. Has anything changed for you at six? Is Dvorsky still your guy? Nope, it is
1: 100% Dvorsky. The Mishkov debate, obviously, yeah, that is what it is. But taking that out of it, out of the equation, it is 100% Dvorsky. He would be number one on my board. I think he gets a lot of criticism about his offensive game and the potential that it may not be all there. But yet, every time he's played against his peers, his offense has held up and been some of the best in those tournaments.
0: Yeah, he had, he had a um, phenomenal U18 a few months ago. He was all over the highlights.
1: Yeah, and that's just it. From those U18s, the two most engaged players that you saw make a difference every single shift out there was Ryan Leonard and Dalembert Dvorsky. To walk away with either of these guys would be incredible. I'm no I'm not the biggest fan of the Leonard pick for the simple fact that he's a wing. But like uh like Tim said, you just you can't go wrong here with Devorski, with Leonard, with Reinbacher, any of these guys would be great, fantastic options towards building the team long term. But to answer the question, my rankings of those three that have been mentioned to us, it would be Daborski, number one. Brian L- Reinbacher, number two. Leonard, number
0: three. All right. So before we move on to potential trade down and pick 12, um, we have a listener question from Major Nelson. Um, assuming the top five go as planned, in whatever order Bedard, Fantilli, Michkov, Carlson, Smith... Who's the name that GMBA could say with the sixth overall pick Wednesday that would cause you to want to throw the remote at your television? Grandy, go ahead.
1: Honestly, this is a really tough question because it would have to be a pretty substantial reach for me to get really upset to to that level. If it wasn't one of those three, I'd be slightly upset, but also understanding it's, even after those three that I think there's a teardrop, but it's not a significant enough one to make me that angry. I think you would really have to reach on a guy like a Samuel Hansik or someone of that nature for me to really feel like that. Tim. Oh man. Yeah. Uh,
3: I was like, I was looking, I was just like thinking, yeah, I wonder who would make me like actually mad because I don't think I've ever gotten upset. I always like even the Soderstrom pick the Hayton pick, I was always, you know, very like okay, all right. I li- I like it. Let's see where this goes, you know. I always talk myself into it and I'm always cuz I I'm I'm always under the understanding that these people know more than me. They want the same thing as me. They want to make this team good. So, I'm just I'm along for the ride. But as soon as you said Samuel Hanzik at 6 overall, I was like, <laughs> "Oh, man. I would be so I would be like, "Whoa, whoa buddy." Because because not only is that a guy that you could get at twelve if you wanted, I feel it's just it's still just like oh man, even that's a bit of a. But yeah, I like I said, I I like to be very I like to be very optimistic. Uh, I think I think if they go up there, I think a realistic name based on some people's lists, definitely not mine. Um, some public lists have Colby Barlow very high, and if they called Colby Barlow at six, I would probably turn my TV off. Well, I wouldn't. No, no, not turn my TV off. I'd leave the arena. Um, you wouldn't even wait for pick twelve. I don't know, man. That I would bet. be tough. I, I, I watched a lot of Colby this year, and I was not buying it. Um, I think he's got a lot of intangibles and a lot of good stuff to his game. He's a good. He's a great player. I just, I just don't see him being like a top fifteen pick. Uh, but. Yeah, that, that's the one that would probably make me pretty upset. But who knows? Maybe I'd be wrong as
0: shit and that'd be awesome. So I'm going to go against what both of you guys said here. Um, not because I think either of those are wrong. I would agree with you 100%. I'm actually going to go with anybody but Dvorsky at six. You're and all I in think A. I'm going to be, I, you know, when we talk about tears and, you know, getting the best player available. And the center position being at a premium, I think it's very, very important to look at the fact that Dvorsky's probably closer to those five names mentioned going one through five, uh, assuming Mitchkov does go in the top five. Um, I think he's closer to that group than he is to Ryan Leonard or Zach Benson or David Reinbacher. Personally, I I was high on Reinbacher for a little, for a short time, Um, but this defensive class isn't great. I think whoever takes Reinbacher in the top eight is probably taking him because of his position, not because of him being an outstanding player at one aspect of the game. He's a very good two-way player. I'm not. Saying he won't be a, a top pair defenseman in the NHL, but you're not getting a cornerstone number one guy at defense in this draft based on everyone's projections right now. So it, it can't, to me, it can't be Reinbacher. You can't take him over Dvorsky because Dvorsky's at a premium position. It can't be Leonard, even though I think Leonard might have a slightly higher floor. I think Dvorsky does everything else so much better. He's got the two way game. He's more physically mature at this moment. And I think he's only going to get bigger. Um, he, you can't do anything about Leonard being the shorter guy that doesn't change. Um, and I think Dvorsky fits into to Armstrong's system, what he wants to build a little bit better. Um, maybe a little higher ceiling on Leonard. I think it's a much higher floor on um, and. I think even if Ryan Leonard goes out and puts up, you know, 90 points in a, you know, as his career year at some point in the NHL, and Dvorsky only ever puts up 75 or 80, I still think Dvorsky's going to do more to help team, whatever team drafts him win. Um, I, I just think that's his, that's his upside. He's, he's going to be somebody that does so much more that doesn't always show up on the stat sheet. Um, yeah, you
3: definitely have to look at things. You you got to take best player available, and you
0: know that's always
3: subjective. Um, but we saw we saw last year the Devils in second. I anyone anybody could have told you that they were going to take uh, Simon Nimich, because you look at their roster and you go, what are we going to do? Even if even if Shane Wright's an incredible player, even if we take Logan Cooley. We there, had Jack there's nowhere Hughes, for and we Nico like what are they gonna are they, are we gonna yeah and and their defense was just you know at that point they had nothing really they uh, you I, know Dougie they Hamilton
0: had a few- Luke Hughes and Damon Severson but that was kind of like okay. rounding out yes. you know NHL and prospects at that point
3: at that point they still had Makama Doolin and they but like and, and Kevin Ball but they didn't have any like 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 blue cues was definitely the best prospect on D. And they're like, well, why why would we fill fill a need that's not like why don't we like take this opportunity to fill a need? And I feel like there are teams there aren't really teams in that position this year that high up who are gonna say, We can pass on this guy for Reinbacher because we really need a defenseman. Um that being said, if if pick six comes around and and we take Reinbacher, um I'm going to be like, okay, they must know something. They must see something that makes them think that I, I get, I get Ryan Suter vibes from Ryan Bacher. And I think that that's a strong, that's a strong kind of comparison. I don't like comparisons to be, to be honest, because it pigeonholes players and it makes you think, well, if they're not this, then they're, they're, they're they're a a bust. Yeah, I get you there. But, but I really, I, I truly believe in uh, teams needing a defenseman like that where they can, play half a game for you they can play in every situation for you they might score 10 goals in their best season but they're gonna be putting out every fire they're gonna be skating up and down joining the rush breaking up passes in every zone just and that's reinbacher to me so if we walk away with reinbacher i am okay with that um but yeah it's it's definitely not a year to it's definitely not a year where I see a lot of teams going, well, you know, we can really pass on this Ryan Leonard kid. Um, yeah. Just the way oh. that the makeup of the top 10 is not that for me this year.
1: So Matt, let me ask you this. You'd be upset if we passed on Dvorsky. Let me say, let, let's say we went Ryan Leonard there. Would you then
0: be okay if we went Oliver Moore at twelve? well, it still doesn't change the pick at six because quite honestly, when it comes to where a player plays in the NHL, you know, whether it's center or wing, I I don't think it matters. You have to have guys who can play center because they can also play wing. You can't take Ryan Leonard and go, we're going to teach him how to play center. Um, I, anybody that followed Dylan Gunther, you know, his first year after his draft plus one year, um, Edmonton tried him at center for about half the season and his production stayed about the same, but it wasn't a good look in, in de- trying to develop a two way game for him. It's very difficult to, to get the same type of two way play out of a winger, unless you're talking about a you know, Brad Marchand, Mark stone. Um, you know, those, those guys do everything. and, they play on the wing, but it's it's a rare thing. So, to me, yeah, I'd still be upset. I'd so much rather see them take Dvorsky and Oliver Moore and figure out which one of them or even Barrett Hayton or, you know, whoever might have to play on the wing at a later time. That, to me, makes so much more sense because if one of those two doesn't pan out, you still took two of them.
1: Yeah, and that is why Dvorsky to me is so clearly above those other two. We've talked about it many, many times. When it comes to me and draft rankings, I don't necessarily believe in a one through 32 ranking. I think it should go by tiers. And then your tiers get sorted into positional importance and team and area need. And I don't think the coyotes are at a spot in their prospect pool to draft by need bringing up the devils being able to draft by need last year. They had been drafting high for what? Seven years, getting these great picks, getting these prospects added multiple first round picks. Some of those years building that literally, they literally had
3: to get the draft. The lottery rule changed for them.
0: Yeah, Yeah. That was the third time they moved up in what? Five years. They got Heischer in 17. They got Hughes in 19. And then they move up to second and get uh, Nemich in 22. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's unfortunate if you are a Coyotes fan who, you know, we've never had any lottery luck whatsoever. Columbus, same scenario. Um, When you – I don't want to call them a bubble team last year, you know, Sorry, two years ago, I guess, at this point, going into the draft. Um, I don't want to call them a bubble team, but they were, what, 13th was their pick originally, and they jumped to second. So it's not like they moved from fifth to second because they were a bad team. They were, you know, on the cusp, despite the fact that everybody in the East that made the playoffs had 100 points. Um, They weren't a bad team, and they were a young team who was getting better. They were already coming out of their rebuild. They were probably going to make their last lottery pick, and it just so happened that they won the second lottery spot. So yeah that that's a scenario where you can you can fill a need. but I don't think any I, I agree with you guys. I don't think anybody in the top ten this year, um, you know with with maybe the exception of St. Louis could draft for need because if St. Louis feels like they want to retool and they want to make a run. They've got a, a veteran defensive group that's you know six guys deep that most of them are under contract for the next four years plus. Um realistically, they could go, well, we we need a forward. I don't care if Reinbacher slipped to 10. We really, really like, you know, whoever we're gonna take him because in a year we think we can bring him along. We will have made a couple of trades. And we're gonna be back in the playoffs. St. Louis might be the only team in that window right now that, that could do something like that. Yeah, I agree. Speaking of teams below us, um, you know, the the question's been floated many times. Should the Coyotes look at moving back with Washington, uh, specifically because, you know, the the ties of Mitchkov to Washington and OV and and that entire scenario, if on draft day Mitchkov is sitting there at six, do you look at trading back to eight or trading back to nine? Um, if you're Armstrong Tim, do you look at making that move, or do you execute your picks?
2: Um, I think it's interesting this year because it
3: is the the, the top, like the cream of the crop, talent extends a little further than usual. I think any pick in that top nine is gangbusters. Like you're, you're laughing, you're leaving with an elite player potentially, and maybe even 10, depending how you feel
2: about guys like uh, Zach Benson um, or Gabe Perot. Uh But, you know,
3: I'm not taking anything off the table this year. I, there's, there's part of me that thinks we trade back. And I think that heavily relies on where does Mitchkov Kov go? Um, and potentially, do we see a, a shock at five? Anybody but Will Smith is considered a shock at this point. Um, I do think the Canadians... I, that being said, I do think the Canadians would consider taking a defenseman as well. Um, their new GM, uh, Hugh, uh, Kent Hughes, that guy is not afraid to make a splash. He likes to get the unicorns as we as we saw with Slavkovsky. Um he values physical attributes. Um he could very well turn around and go, you know what? Ryan Leonard is the guy I want from this line, not Will Smith. And we and then the whole Coyotes fandom goes into red alert defcon 5. What the hell do we do now? Um if we got if we got all these guys sitting there at 6, right? it's it's crazy and i and i feel like if if our guy is dvorsky or more or leonard or any of these guys and there's a slight difference in the top five i feel like we trade down and you know that being said i also feel like a trade up isn't 100 percent off the table it's a little more tinfoil hatty but um you know, I, I think I think this is our last. I think this is our last year of being purposefully bad. I think that's been made clear that we're not. We're done. We're done being bad for the sake of being bad. We're gonna. We're still cash strapped. We're still. You know, we still have this budget while we're in Mullet waiting for the arena. But I, I think going forward, you're gonna see a more concerted effort to build a better team. You know, we got reports coming out of um like craig mentioning that you know uh craig morgan i should say for the the uninitiated saying that we uh that the coyotes are are looking at adding younger players who are good not just adding guys who need to fill the cap and uh you know we're not going to be we're not going to be filling out offer sheets for you know the top end rfas in the league right now but it's going to be it's going to be a it's going to be growth. So I think this is the last year we're going to be picking this high. Honestly, I, I hope so. Um, and Bill's going to make the best of it, whether that's trading up to get the guy trading down to get the guy to get more
0: assets. I, I, I don't think anything's off the table really. So before we get to grandy here, what would it take from Washington? What, what kind of value would you have to get to move down if you're in Armstrong shoes?
3: Well, that's an interesting question um just because you know Washington historically doesn't have a very impressive um prospect pool um they do have their firsts uh for the next couple of years, so you know if if we get a future first for them to move up if if they if they move up to get Mishkov from us then it, they're going to have to turn their pockets out. And I think they know that. And I think they don't care really realistically. There's a lot of these rumors that, you know, we had talked about it, that Mishkov is, you know, kind of choosing his fate and he's going to like, will his way onto a team. But at the end of the day, if somebody calls your name, then you're done. And I don't think that's something, if he re- really wants to go to Washington, if that's the, if that's true, I don't think that's something you leave to chance. I think your, your agent is calling saying, Listen, you got to make this happen, or else you're gonna you're gonna miss out. We're gonna miss out, and everyone's gonna be upset. So, it's got to be future picks, unless we got scouts saying, you know, I really like Connor McMichael. I really like Hendricks Lapierre. Like, I really like, you know, some of these bigger names that they've been taking uh, the last couple of years that have been fine. You know, um, McMichael. I mean, those guys just won a championship for Hershey. This week so you know maybe they got Something some good viewings there that they like uh, Some pro scouts saw him but You know it, it'll have to be future Picks which I wouldn't Hate because you know this team doesn't care About winning anymore they care about getting over to the goals record and then when Mitch Cobb Shows up good that's that's Just icing on the cake um, When him and uh, Moresh if I'm not pushing that Name um, uh, That's pretty much Their future so
0: Uh, I'd say give me all the future first you can handle. Grandy, same question. Would you look at moving back, assuming Mishkov's there at six, with either Washington or Detroit? So, for me, it would have to be a hell of a package because
1: one thing that Bob McKenzie said that really intrigued me as a big fan of Dvorsky already was the amount of people or the amount of scouts he had say that they actually think that this is a super six with Dallover Dvorsky. Now, if he's not there, then absolutely. I'm trying to trade back and just taking whoever's left from that tier. But if he's, I'm just taking my guy unless I get given an offer. I can't refuse. So it it would 100% have to depend on the price, and it would be as Tim said, uh, first round picks in the future.
3: Yeah, I, I want to clarify that's literally it, it would have to be like an insane package, it would have to be like you know, turning the pockets out. I don't, I wouldn't want to trade out of six. I feel like that's a great spot to be, even if you're just getting your guy and maybe it's a pick or two early, you could have moved back, could have, would have, should have whatever. It, it, sometimes it's just about getting your guy. So
1: one, one comparison that was made today was Madfi Mishkov is not Blake Wheeler. He's not going to become an unres- unrestricted free agent at the end of this. He's far more in a Eric Lindro situation. And despite the fact that, um, despite the fact that the team he didn't want to go to picked him, that still wound up working out pretty well for him. So I think you have to use that as leverage in a trade down, even if you have no intention of going him.
3: Yeah, that's, that's exactly it. I think, I think earlier I brought that up in passing, but like, that's gotta be, that's gotta be your mindset. You know, you gotta be thinking, okay, Mishkov is here. Do, do we have a deal in advance with Washington? that we go if he's here we're doing this kind of thing um you see that a lot where it's like you wonder where like when do they make this trade teams teams will have something set up and they go if he's here like make the call so i i feel like that is in the world of crazy scenarios the one of the more likely ones to have possibly happened
0: yeah i'm i'm with you guys i i just don't see a scenario where i would like to see Arizona trade back from 6. There are some unbelievable but becoming more and more believable each day theories out there about who's going where and and how it could cause a lot of players to potentially slip. Um there's plenty of rumor that San Jose would love to get a defenseman in the draft this year. They could potentially be a team that trades back with Washington and Washington steps up, grabs Mishkov and San Jose looks at Willander or Reinbacher. If he falls that far, um, they could just shock everybody and take Reinbacher at four. Um, you know, like Tim brought up Montreal could be like, well, you know what? We're going to take, you know, Ryan Leonard here because Kent Hughes is that kind of guy. He's the guy we want off of that line. And all of a sudden, Will Smith, and Matt V. Mishkov are sitting there at, at, five, or at six. In that scenario, yeah, Washington's got to give up. they got to turn their pockets out. They've got to sell the farm because I know if I don't take Will Smith at six, he's going at seven to Philadelphia. So, yeah, maybe I'm still getting Dvorsky at eight, but would I rather have uh, – you're, you're looking at the trade as, well, I'm getting this, but I'm also losing Will Smith. I'm I'm getting Dvorsky. It's still a great player, but I, I'm losing the opportunity to take Smith. So I, I agree with you guys in every scenario. If there's six real good players here, and let's say Michkov is the only one of those six left at six, take him. Uh, because let's say, absolute worst-case scenario, you can't get him to sign with you. I promise Washington is still going to want him in two or three years. Yeah. They're, oh, they're oh. not... They're not going to not give you what you want for him. And even if Washington's bad and they've got another top 10 pick in 2025, they're going to give you that with more to get Mishkov. So you just take him at that point if he's the only one of those six left.
3: Absolutely. And all that being said, you know, I've uh, recently I've been having conversations with NHL scouts um, on Twitter or however they reach out to me. I reach out to them and what I hear every single time is we have our list. It's done. And this, this high in the draft, you don't deviate from that. You know, if, if a Will Smith appears, you know, we might have to recalibrate, but this decision's already been made weeks ago. So it's going to have to be something totally crazy for, anybody to you know for the coyotes to take anybody who they don't already have like decided that they're taking and it's just up to us to buckle up and you know hope it's the guy we want so um, you heard it here yeah. first
0: guys tim thinks that nothing's going to go the way it should on draft day connor bedard falling to 6 arizona getting connor bedard <laughs> that's right that's right absolutely <laughs> all right so pick 12 um little A little bit of a a drop off here. We're basically at, I guess what you would call the bottom of maybe, maybe the bottom of tier four. Um, Who do you guys like at 12? And do you think at this point, because you've already executed a pick at six, you can start looking a little more for need? Um, especially if you're trying to become a little more competitive, you're not picking inside the top 10. There isn't quite the guarantee you're going to get the elite player that there is at six. Um, who do you like? And do you think it kind of changes the, I don't know the mindset going into the pick because of where it is? Grandy.
2: There is so many options that
1: you, I really, really like at 12. Um, as far as the mindset, I think it's a wait and see type approach. If it's all, it's all going to depend on who's there, who falls because this draft is so incredibly close. Once you can pass the first eight, nine names. Um, if one of those eight, nine names are there, you, you take them irregardless. If they're not, then take an area of need. Um, But there's so many names here. Uh, I really like Tim Wallander. I don't think he'll be there. But if he is, that would be an incredible grab that gives us a probably second-pairing defenseman still, but just a rock-solid, steady guy who's one of the best skaters in the draft, especially at his position, for years to come. Um... Another guy, again, may not be everyone's cup of tea, but Matthew Wood. Just, he seems to have an incredibly high offensive ceiling with that shot of his and has the size and physical play that we all know GMBA loves. Um, Oliver Moore. Oliver Moore tested higher in the areas that show uh, how fast you go speed skating wise in the combine than Connor McDavid did. This kid's skating is going to be unreal. (sighs) How can you not go him? If he's there at 12, there's like just so many names.
0: It's almost overwhelming really. So, so nailing it down, if you're Armstrong and those three names are there that you just mentioned who are you taking
2: i'm going willander for the
0: team need all right tim your thoughts on pick 12
2: yeah you know
3: the deviation this you know the deviation starts a couple picks before you know 12 it'll, that's where this typical draft is going to start going off the rails and everyone's going to start holding their heads in their hands like oh my god where's this going now um and I think it's I think it depends on a few things. I am firmly in the camp that in the of the belief that we are trading for another late first or we are trading for an early second or another second in general. Um there's obviously a history of that. We have so many thirds. We have we have players still that I'm not convinced um are staying. We have players there's players that I'm not convinced aren't gonna end up on our team as cap dumps uh there's just so much that can happen between now and then if we get a later second or an earlier second and a la- or a later first, depending how you feel about the d market, I think we go forward again that that being said, I think we take a swing on a smaller guy or a lesser known commodity um my personal opinion in that range. Obviously if Moore or Benson are there, I think those are slam dunks at that pick. Andrew Kristall is a very risky, you know, it depends how you view Kristal. I'm I'm very high on Kristal. I have him twelfth on mine. Um I'm also very high on uh Edward Schala, the winger, uh the Czech winger. Um, any of those guys I'd be very happy with. Uh alternatively, if if we do, you know, none of those scenarios happen. I if if we're staying pat at these picks, if that's the plan, I think you have to take a defenseman here. Um, best defenseman available, strictly because that's just a huge, huge, huge pitfall on our roster. We have, you know, no top end defense prospects really. Uh you know, you can't really consider Mosier a prospect anymore because he's been in the league since he got drafted. Uh, you know, I I have uh, sending Polika higher than uh, Willander, and I could be convinced they're in the same tier for me. Though I can be convinced otherwise. Uh, I would be happy with either. Obviously, if Reinbacher's there, if that's if we leave with dvorsky Reinbacher, then I'm just I'm all all the grin on my face for the next three years. But you know, I feel like the why I bring up those late trades or the trades for the the picks a bit later is because I feel like the cluster of defensemen sitting around the late twenties, uh, into like even the early forties, is just so dense. Like there's depends how you feel about Mikhail Gulyayev, who, uh, who, uh, what's it called? Analytically, is one of the best prospects in this entire draft. But again, he's MHL Russian player. You know, not sure how he's going to transition. Um, Dmitry Simashev, same thing, Uh, MHL Russian defenseman. Um, And then, how do you feel about Maxim Sturback, Uh, the big Slovakian six foot four or six foot two unit that I feel is definitely a a Bill Armstrong pick? Um, And then you got the more skilled guys, the Draviseviches, the, you know, the Melendics that cluster of players i think are all going to kind of be there in the late first early second and i'm not convinced that that's where you go shopping for defensemen um just in terms of pick value right because you can't just take a defenseman at 12 because you need a defenseman they also have to be worth the pick so if you're dead sound defenseman you're probably trading down or you or you really like one of those guys and pelika's there or um well Anders, there and you're okay with that, then that's great too. But it's it's always gotta also be about the value of that pick. And are you making the most value out of that? So that's why I think it really depends on if there's a trade later.
0: That's fair. I I can agree with both of you guys on those. Um to me it's Oliver Moore. Uh I I wanna say four months ago, uh when he was a little higher ranked. I wanted him at six um that That's not because I think he's you know head and shoulders above anybody there, but I don't think there's that big of a drop off between him and a guy like Ryan Leonard or uh Reinbacher. and now you know there's there's the thought that Oliver Moore may not go until the mid teens, so him being there at twelve. If he's there, I think you have to take him. Um, this probably doesn't factor in at all, but um, he's going to be a teammate of Logan Cooley next year. And to me, that's, that's even more incentive to go out and get him um, because now you're going to start building chemistry between those two at a college level. And you could potentially see both of them in the NHL next year. Um, that gives you a head start on your rebuild, honestly. So I do like him for that, but I, I've always been a proponent of guys who can skate Um, going all the way back to when I was elated. um, I'm sorry, not elated. I was flabbergasted that the coyotes took Dylan Strom over Mitch Marner. And it, it wasn't one of those like, ah, this is hindsight, whatever. I I watched Max Domi at London, and the whole time I'm like, come on, guys. He plays on the same freaking line as him. He's been better than Max Domi. He's been better than Christian Dvorak, who you've also drafted already. Go get him. Take him. He's there. And they went Strom. Yeah. And the big knock on Strom was... Strom's a phenomenal mind. He's got a shot, you know, but he doesn't skate well. Ever since that skating to me has been the number one thing I look at in a pick. I loved the Clayton Keller pick. I love the Jacob Shikran pick because those guys skate really well. I like the Barrett Hayton pick because, uh, and as weird as it sounds, I And I know, Tim, you said you don't like making comparisons because it pigeonholes, guys. What Oliver Moore was asked to do this year and what Barrett Hayton was asked to do his draft year in Sioux were very similar. Play second line um, to a better center at the time. I, I believe it was Morgan Frost for Sioux. Um, play behind that guy. Kill penalties. Be a two-way guy. Um, and And chip in on offense, but you're going to be a matchup guy. And Oliver Moore did everything the that Barrett Hayton did, but he did it much better. And he's a much better skater and he brings a little more offensively. So to me, if Oliver Moore is there at 12, uh, you you've got to be like jumping for joy there because you're going to get the best skater in the draft. Logan Cooley's a phenomenal skater. You've got two unbelievable centers down the middle. And now you're looking at, well, we got Dvorsky at six. You, you put Dvorsky on the wing. You, him and Moore flip flop between, you know, second and third line centers. At, can you imagine being that deep? You're, granted, you're not Edmonton because you don't have Connor McDavid or anything. But when Edmonton wants to, they're three centers deep with McDavid, Dreisidel, and Nugent Hopkins. If you, if you had three guys that were all you know, mid first line to high end second line centers, playing all three lines down the middle, you are built for the future for a long time. So that's my pick there, Tim. I would like to say phenomenal, phenomenal call on the defenseman there at the end of the second or end of the first round, beginning of the second. Um, I'm a big fan. The one guy that you didn't name. I'm a big fan of um, Jakob uh, Dvorak. Um, I believe he's like six, three, just, just under six, four, um, mm-hmm. 200 pounds, um, more of a defensive defenseman, but skates pretty well, can move the puck. There's a lot of those guys that are sitting there in that 25 to 45 range. So I think if, if you are in the mindset of, well, we've got four third round picks and we've got four second round picks next year. Um, You know, we could always flop second round picks with somebody. We could throw in a third round pick to sweeten it, get the deal done. You can move up and, and take a a second defenseman at that end of the first round, beginning of the second round range. And you get two guys that might fill your team need right there.
2: Uh, Yeah, absolutely. I think, I, I think,
3: you know, like twelve is so hard to predict, or you know, even like imagine what could happen, just because the the seven, eight, nine, it will seven to eleven essentially is the no man's land of all of these teams. You know, have a story. Um, the Flyers, new GM Daniel Briere, is he going to be afraid to take a small guy? Probably not. Maybe Zach Benson. You know, that's their pick. Washington. You know, Michkov. Everyone's saying Michkov all year, essentially. Um, if they go any but anything but Michkov, uh the whole world's gonna blow up. Red Wings, you never know what the hell Steve Eiserman's thinking. He might take Gabe Perot there. He might take Oliver Moore there, he might take uh, it there because
0: he goes Schale. way off everybody's board. I can you guys remember when he took Mo Cider at eight? Yes. And Cider yes. was Projected to be like the fourth or fifth defenseman to go, yeah. And and yeah. he was the first defenseman to go. I mean, Steve Eiserman is a real wild card, right? He there. He doesn't
3: give a fuck, man. Him and him and Pat Verbeek, I feel like, are gonna have. Well, Verbeek's in a hard position to really go too crazy. Yeah, you, because, you can't
0: really go off the board at number two because you'll piss off your entire fan base. But
3: but the but yeah, like the sentiment for. Um the Red Wings to do something
0: crazy at nine is not, you know, that's not a left field thing. So. Yep. And then there's the potential that St. Louis moves out of that 10 spot. They've got three picks in the first round. They're a team rumored to want to retool. Um, and there's teams that have made a lot of noise about being sellers. Um, You know, Elias Lindholm, Noah Hannafin, and uh Tyler Tavoli have all been made available from Calgary any one of those guys probably fits what St. Louis is looking for. They could move out of the 10 spot and that completely changes the dynamic there because now you've got a GM moving into that spot day of draft. And you know, it's even harder if to go.
3: If Yeah. If somebody's trading into that spot, they're getting somebody specifically. They know their guy's going to be there, or at least they know one or two of their guys are going to be there. Yep. they've called people. They've, yeah.
0: And then you've got Vancouver right behind them, who has talked about looking to dump some salary. Um, they could potentially move back one, two, or three spots with somebody if it means dumping Connor Garland's salary. Um, you know, I I don't know that they're gonna move another defenseman after buying out Oel. Um, yet you have to have enough NHL defensemen or you're just not going to compete. And that's got to be their ideas to compete. But, you know, they're potentially moving out of that spot if they can dump some salary. So I, I agree. Seven through 11 is a weird place to be because you've got two teams that potentially could move out of their spots. Steve Iserman, who doesn't give a shit. He's just, he's got a guy on his list and he's not going to trade up or trade back. He's going to take his guy. Um, You got Washington who, you know, they've been tied to Mishkov. If he's there, if he's not there, um, they've been tied to Dvorsky. So it's almost like Philadelphia is going to take Zach Benson and whoever Arizona doesn't take Washington's going to take. So definitely going to be, after after five, the draft is gonna get a little wild and after seven, it's gonna I think that's when we're gonna see the first big wow, I didn't see that coming pick.
3: I literally don't know when that's coming. I'm I'm my body is ready for the ducks to take Mitchkov. I'm I'm full chaos mode.
1: I I, I'm calling I'm calling it the first big shock of the draft is gonna be four with the sharks. Um, Mike Greer shocked everyone when he traded down last year and he's a GM we really don't know his drafting style yet he could go Mishkov he could go Reinbacher he could go Leonard I mean he's been penciled in for Will Smith for ages it feels like but this is a GM we have one draft of draft record to look back on who is a team that's both trying to compete with their veteran core while rebuilding at the same time, and those
2: drafts are always the most unpredictable.
0: Yep, I agree. I agree. So I'm going to ask you guys, who do you think either falls the farthest or rises? not rises the highest, but is reached for the farthest in the first round? If you guys had to pick one name, grandy who you got
1: what list are we going off of here
0: just uh, it can be off mckenzie pron they're they're all relatively close so i i would say you know who's the guy that is rel- you know a consensus late teens pick that falls out of the first round or somebody that we thought was going to go in the second round that might jump up into the late teens early 20s um, you know, or somebody that was supposed to be a top ten pick that falls to eighteen or something like that, just your your stretch pick. What would it be? Uh
2: that's so for guys falling the guy that seems to make the most sense falling to me is Edal. I could see going anywhere from second round, third round guys are unpredictable at the draft,
1: and he had a rough end to the year that just adds further bits to
2: his unpredictable unpredictability. Um, as for guys, that's That's a good question because that is one where
0: we'll we'll come back to you on the rising one. Tim, yeah, yeah. Who do you have
3: so a guy that I think is going to go much earlier than um, I guess if we're going off of Bob's list. Uh, something something in my heart of hearts tells me that uh, a team. Really, 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 really wants uh, Mikhail Gulyayev, and oh man, I don't know where it's going to be because it's such a traffic jam up there. But I can see him, I can see him going very early in the first round. Um, sorry, I shouldn't say very early, but much earlier than I think. I think I think Bob has him at twenty three now, but for the longest time, this guy wasn't really on much people's radar. Um, I, he, I think he was an
0: early second round pick for most of the year.
3: Yeah. And I, I think Gugliev is a very, very um, I think there are people in this league that possess a pick in the top 15 that would want him is kind of how I'll put it. Um, he's an incredibly attractive prospect. And I think wherever Mitchkov goes, that will reflect where he goes. Cause I think that will just be the Russian, you know, the general's, some of the wherever and thinks about russia but um i think a guy that's gonna fall very far i think cristal is a good answer because you're right it's very 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 hard to place guys like that um i think riley height is a player that's bob has him in the 32nd i i don't know if that guy i don't know if he gets taken before the late in the second um there's a lot of players that are very similar. Once you start getting a lot of centers, especially once you and uh and centers and wingers, that once you start getting into that late 20s where they all kind of um it becomes more of a teams will have their guy, uh, they've had the meetings, they've they've met him, they talked to coaches, and they there's there's just more specificity that goes into the picks at the forward position that I feel is going to come into play. And some of these guys are just going to fall by the wayside. So I think height's definitely one of them. Um, Those would probably be my guys. Uh, Another guy, uh, Gavin Brindley, I think might go sooner than people think, but um, I think he's 30th on Bob's list. I think Brindley's getting a lot of hype lately and he might be a, he might climb up a few spots, but yeah, it's hard to say, man the uh, I don't think there's gonna be any like uh massive disparities um just because really who knows what the fuck's gonna
1: happen <laughs> and that's where I'm struggling with because like I want to say one of the two Russians, Daniel Boot or um Daniel Boot or Dmitry Simashev but is rising 10 picks really... Would it be that shocking with either of them? Given their I, I, think, it depends.
0: I think it depends on where they're rising from. I mean, going from 40 to yes. 30 is not a huge rise. Going but from, going
2: from 22, 22 to 12 20s. is a big.
1: Yeah. So from mid-2016, I could see... I could see Dmitry Simashev going... I I really think he's almost a lock for the team, so I guess that would be my answer.
0: All right, all right, I like it. Um, so my riser, um, and I'm even gonna say where he's gonna go. Uh, my riser is going 22nd overall to Philadelphia, and it's Lucas Dragicovich. Um, I think Breer is gonna reach for a defenseman who's got some size, who's got puck moving ability. Um, lacks a little bit of the defensive game, but I think that's, uh, he, he's got a Philadelphia kind of fit to him, um, based on his, his size, his position, uh, just something about him feels right in Philadelphia. So to me, I think he's going to move up, I don't know, probably 13 or 14 spots go at 22 when he should probably go in the, you know, the mid thirties. um, to me, the guy that's going to fall is Nate Danielson, and I, I know there's a lot of, a lot of people that think Danielson's closer to a top ten player than, or a top ten pick than he would be to going in the mid twenties. But to me, the thing about Nate Danielson's game is, uh, he's, he's good, in every aspect, but I don't think he's great in any one specific aspect. And I think in a draft like this, where all the way through pick fifteen, whoever you're getting, with the exception of maybe Reinbacher, should probably excel or be, you know, the top three, top four in the draft at one certain thing. And to me, Nate Danielson isn't that guy. Um, He's he's a good two way center. Um, I think he's probably suited for the you know, low end second line, but realistically a third line center in the NHL. And I think a lot of teams are going to look at that and go, that's great. But in a draft this deep, I really like the potential offensive upside of this guy. Or I really like the skating factor of, you know, uh, a Simashev at his size, or I like the offensive game that Guliev brings. And I think those things are going to push a guy like Nate Danielson down. So to me, Danielson's the guy that falls. Um, Dragasevich is the guy that rises. So I'll remember that. I'll remember that,
3: uh, that point in the left field of Philly at 22.
0: I, you know what? I, I, I don't know why. It just feels like that's it. I mean, he just there feelings are real so um, before we get into a brief lottery mock draft um, i i wanna do a little like rapid fire q and a with you guys um i I'm gonna name some players, and i'm gonna give you their um sports betting odds of their over under of their draft position. I don't want you to give me a team or what spot they're going to go or anything like that. I just want you to give me the over or under on the number that I give you. So we're going to start with Axel Sandin Pelica. He's got an over under of 14 and a half. Tim.
2: Uh, I'm going to say he is going uh, uh, under.
0: No, over, over, over. All right. Grandy. I'm gonna say over as well. All right. Colby Barlow, sixteen
2: and a half. Under. Yeah, I'm gonna say under.
0: Under. All right. So his odds to go under minus one sixty. So Vegas agrees with you on that. On Sandin Pelica, the over minus one thirty five. So they agree with you guys on that as well. Um all right, let's go. Edward Chalet, 22 and a half.
2: Tim. 22 and a half. I I think I think over. Grandy. I'm going to say under.
0: Well, Vegas agrees with Grandy at -175. Or I'm sorry, with um Tim at 1 175. That it's over. Did I get that right, or did I just mix you guys up?
3: <laughs> <laughs> I literally was just thinking, oh, I I was s- like, "Wait, did I say over? Or did I say over?" <laughs> no, sorry, that
0: that I was Grandy. I was right the first time. Yep, 175 uh, over 22 and a half with Grandy. Um, Let the record
3: show I meant to say over, but I'll take the L. I I'll said do. no. I did.
1: I said under. You said over. So.
0: Oh, all right. Well, then it was Tim. All right. So. Hello.
2: It's, so, it's now that, now that we have all
0: 30 in the morning here so I'm losing it. Now that we have all of that sorted out, um, one guy we really didn't talk about at all um, as a potential high pick, Gabe Perot, uh, um, odds at 11 and a half. Grandy over or under.
2: I'm going to say over.
0: Tim? I'm going to
2: say... Did you say
0: 12.5?
3: 11.5. I'm going to say under, and I'm going to say he is a Buffalo Sabre.
2: Uh, well, that would be an over at 13. Oh. <laughs> uh, Dude, I need to go to bed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well... The good news is Vegas agrees either way. They're minus 115 on both sides. So they can change their minds. Uh, I'm going to give you guys three more um, and then we'll move on to a quick lottery. Uh, Matthew Wood, 14 and a half. Tim, over or under? 14 and a half.
2: I am going to say over Grandy I'm gonna say under
0: Vegas agrees with Grandy minus 220 at under 14 and a half um, Whoa. Otto, Otto Stenberg and this is one this is one guy we haven't talked about a lot but he's one of my favorite late first round picks Um, Vegas has him sorry the the over under on him at 28 and a half Grandy over or under?
2: Under. Tim,
0: I'm going to say over. Vegas going with Grandy once again at minus 185. And Well, the... oh, me and right? Vegas
2: don't get along. This is well <laughs> documented.
0: Fair enough. I'm
1: also I'm also saying under on way too many of these guys, so
0: Alright, our very last one, uh, Tom Villander under over 12 and a half. Tim.
2: I'm gonna say I'm gonna say under. Grandy.
1: I don't see how he gets away from the St. Louis Blues Canucks Coyotes
0: trio, so I'm gonna say under. Vegas would agree with you guys. I believe it's minus 250 on that one. Mm. So, um, a couple weeks before back, you, oh, go before ahead. before the lottery mock before the lottery mock draft, remember Tyler's question?
2: Uh, oh, okay. Um
0: Hang on, let me let me get back to it here. So, Tyler obviously not with us tonight. He's uh he's back to doing lacrosse, which is why you guys haven't heard from it. well actually you guys did hear from him last week. So I was about to lie to all of you guys there. Um you know what grandy I don't have it in front of me. Uh if you would please I read can, it.
2: I'll
1: absolutely so Tyler wants to know in the time since you've closely followed the draft, which pick at the time of the draft, and so not with the benefit of hindsight, which pick at the time of the draft shocked you the most in either a good or bad way
2: and this doesn't have to be coyotes related so just any pick yeah so i'm yeah i'm I have, we talked about this a little bit
3: before i can't think of one where i was more like are you joking uh the the Ottawa 10th overall in 2021 Tyler Boucher pick. That literally put me on my ass. I was like, I again, I don't I'm not I'm not a I'm not a fortune teller. Who knows how great of a career this kid's gonna have or not have? But at the time I was just like, This is insane. They put his stats up on the screen, and I remember just being like, Is this a joke? Is this the is this like this is the guy you're taking, and that 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 class was like insane. It, Power, Beneers, McTavish, Hughes, you know Gunther right before him at nine, and then Otto takes Tyler Boucher. I was like, what?
2: I to this day I will never understand it, but that's showbiz, I guess.
0: Grandy, who you got for us?
2: So
1: that was actually going to be mine because I remember reading, uh three-round mock like the day before that had the Coyotes taking him in the third round. So to see him go 10 just floored me. But, I'm going to switch and go when Detroit took Moe Cedar. This wasn't necessarily in a good or bad way. I I just remember the absolute shock I saw feeling that. It was one of the first drafts I really followed closely. Um... I was just starting to get into it. It was maybe my third draft like this. And yeah, so to have this guy go from the mid-20s to seventh overall was just... Or sixth overall, sorry. was just mind-blowing, especially when it was somebody as respected as um, DVY making the pick. And quite obviously, this turned out for the better for Detroit, so...
0: All right, so I'm actually going to go with three picks. Um, And I'm going to tell you it's from the 2015 NHL draft. Anybody that follows the draft should already know where I'm going here. Um, (laughs) Boston taking Jakub Moro, Jake Debrusque, and Sinishin in three consecutive picks from 13 to 15. It's not a hindsight thing for me. Looking back at this draft, um, and where I had guys, um, I had above all of them, I had Kyle Connor, I had Brock Besser, I had Thomas Shabbat, I had, uh, Brandon Carlo, which Boston did take, and which granted, you know, he, he did turn out better than, um, two of those three. Eh, Hindsight wasn't a great pick from, from me. Um, I also had Jack Roslovic and Matthew Barzell ahead of all of them. Um, and that's, by quite to a me, bit. By quite a bit. This isn't like, a, oh, I, I, yeah, I, those guys could have gone in the 20s and it would have been fine. What shocked me is that they made all three of those picks in a row.
2: That, one thing that I've always
1: looking back on it, because for me this is a hundred percent a hindsight thing. But looking back on that one, what always shocks me is the next three picks were were Matthew Barzell, Kyle Connor, and Thomas Shabbat. If they had just taken those three picks instead, it's like man, where would where would that dynasty be now? But I digress.
0: Yeah, I I if I if I go back and I I look at all of my notes and and figure out exactly what order I had them in. I want to say Sinishin was probably the highest of the three for me. And I, I want to say I had him in the early twenties. I think I had Jake DeBrusque in the late twenties and um, Zorbo. I Zaboril, um, excuse me. uh, It's a scotch night guys. Um, I had in the early second round. So to me, uh any one of those picks you could look at and go wow you know that's rough but are they really you know are they really that bad but when you make all 3 consecutively to me that's that's got to be the worst so all right well we'll move on to our lottery mock we've got one more listener question to follow that and then uh we've got one final quote well two final questions for our guest that we always ask our guests when they're on the show um most of you that are loyal listeners you heard grandy and i do our charity mock draft um back in may um maybe a couple of changes for each of us there we're just going to do a quick 16 pick lottery mock we're not gonna gonna get into the later stuff um I'm going to start this off the same way we started off the last one. Um, do either of you not have Bedard going at one and Fantilli going at two? Nope,
2: that's how mine is. Uh, like I said, part of me really,
3: really, really wants the Ducks to take Mitchkov, but uh, it's probably going to be Fantilli too, so I'll roll with it.
0: All right, Tim, at three, Columbus Blue Jackets, who you haven't taken?
2: I have them taking Leo Carlson.
0: Grandy? Leo Carlson. So, in our original mock, I had them taking Will Smith um, just because they haven't really taken a lot of European players in the last couple of years. Um, I'm going to change that. I. I think they are gonna take Leo Carlson. Uh so I think we're all in agreement there. Uh Grandy for San Jose, who you got him taking?
2: David Reinbacher.
0: Hmm. Our
2: first surprise in the top five. Tim, who you got?
3: Man, this is this is the worst exercise because I second guess myself so much. I think they're gonna uh I think they're taking Will Smith.
0: I'm gonna go with Tim on this one. i I think it's Will Smith as well. Um, i I wouldn't be shocked to see them go another direction, but you know, Will Smith is probably the b p a there. It's got to be Smith, or I think it's a mistake for San Jose. uh five Montreal. Um, I have them going Ryan Leonard.
2: Tim, who you got? I also have them uh, taking Ryan Leonard. Grandy?
1: They are jumping for joy that the Sharks did not take Will Smith and run into the podium
2: to select him.
0: All right, we'll stick with Grandy at six. AZ, who you got him taking? Caliber Dvorski. I got him admit Dvorsky as well. I think, Tim, we all in agreement on this one?
4: Uh Yes, I would say so.
0: All right. Number seven, Philadelphia. Tim, who you got him taking?
2: Philadelphia at number seven, I believe. I believe this is where
0: they go, Benson. I am going to agree with you on that. Just because of my pick at 22, I think they're going to reach and And grab Dragasevich. So I don't think they go Reinbacher here. I think Reinbacher slips another spot. And I think they go Zach Benson as well. Grandy?
2: I have them going Ryan Leonard.
0: All right. At eight, um, at this point, nobody has anybody taken Mitchkov. I would assume all of us have Mitchkov going at eight to Detroit or to uh, Washington. Yeah. Yes. All right. At nine, we've got Detroit, and I have Detroit taking David Reinbacher. Grandy, who you got?
2: Zach Benson. Tim? Detroit at number nine. Sorry, I
3: was trying to follow along with, uh, like, filling out a thing, so I, like, didn't say names twice, uh, <laughs> and I totally, I totally screwed it up already.
2: <laughs> uh, so
3: the late nights record. Bear, bear with me here. Yeah, no worries. Okay. I went, okay, so I said
2: Bedard, uh, Fantilli, Carlson, uh, I, Smith, yes, Smith.
0: And then I have you going Leonard, Dvorsky, Benson, Leonard,
2: yes and Mishkov. Okay, perfect. Uh, uh,
4: Benson, Michkov. Yes, perfect. Okay. Thank you for, for bearing
3: with me. Um, okay, so the Detroit pick is really where I
2: start scratching my noodle here, but I think I think they don't I think they don't look twice and I, I think they just go with Oliver War here.
0: You're breaking my heart, Tim. <sighs> I'm breaking right. mine too, buddy. <laughs> All right. Uh, at ten, St. Louis. Um I've got this this is a little bit of a reach, but I don't think quite as much as the uh Dragosevich reach, and I'm gonna stick with this one. I think St. Louis taken Axel Sandin Pelica.
2: Hmm. Granny,
0: okay. who you
1: got at ten? So I've been debating between Sandin Pelica and Willander. I'm going Willander because they already have the five foot ten
0: defenseman prospect in their system. So. All right, Tim. Tim, go ahead and give us ten and eleven. St. Louis and Vancouver.
2: Ten and eleven. So I think St. Louis
3: is going to be uh, very bullish on this pick. I
2: think that they're going to take uh, Reinbacher here.
0: Grandy, at number... Or, I'm sorry, Tim, go ahead and give us 11 as well. Vancouver.
2: 11?
3: Yes. 11, I think they... I think 11,
2: they go... uh, Man, this is tough I, th- I think at 11 they go
3: uh, uh, Mikhail Gulyayev. I think they I think they're the first ones to, to really reach for that Russian defenseman
4: hmm.
0: it, it's interesting but it does kind of fit what they've done in the past um, they uh, uh, Grandy I'm going to need a hand here Bob the, thank you uh, I was gonna go. Who did they take at number nine a couple years back? Um, but if I yeah. am- was
1: that, was that a reach when they took him?
0: Not, not so much a reach, but they weren't afraid to take the Russian in the top ten. Okay. Um, but Grandy, Vancouver at eleven. Who you got him taken?
2: I
1: have them taking in another move to break all of our hearts,
0: Oliver more. <laughs> Well, it's a good thing both of you guys are going to be wrong. Um, (laughs) Uh, At 11, I got Vancouver going, Tom Villander. And to me, a lot of that has to do with the fact that they just bought out OEL. They don't have a ton of great defensive prospects. Um, And, you know, I, I think I briefly brought it up, but it's not like they're not looking to, you know, move a couple of more out um you know right now Tyler Myers he's another guy that they'd love to to get off the books so and between prospect pool
1: and their roster they have one right shot defenseman that they have taken in the second round or higher so now the sh- the shot thing's very much philosophy and a
3: lot of it really depends right so mm-hmm. i you never know, right? Some some coaches might go, I'd rather have a good guy than a right shot guy, but they don't have either,
0: so who knows? <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Um so at twelve, Arizona proudly selects Oliver Moore. Tim, who you got?
3: I'm gonna I'm gonna snapshot that and like replay it in my brain until I get to Nashville. Um I uh, here in this mock scenario, I think that they take uh Tom Villander,
0: Grandy.
2: I have them going, Matthew Wood. Mm. Not not a
0: bad one. I mean, he really does fit the Armstrong mold there. All right, so at 13, Tim, I believe you already said this, you already called it Andrew Cristal, the wow. Buffalo at 13.
3: Uh, Gabe Perot.
2: At Gabe 13. Perot. Okay.
0: Um, I have Andrew Crystal. They're both smaller guys. They're both wingers. They're both highly productive. Similar make, different name. Um, Grandy, who you got at 13?
1: I have them going Dmitry Simashev.
0: Definitely a team in need of defense right now. So, not a bad pick. Uh, Grandy, keep us going at 14.
2: Remind me, who's fourteen. Again? Just one Pittsburgh. Okay. It is right. I th- I think this is where game parole goes. Tim. I could I can see that. Uh in my in my in my
3: mock, I think this is uh the prime landing spot of Andrew Cristal. I think I think uh Dubis is not a guy who's gonna shy away from a small player, and I think They need to just get the best offensive talent right now.
0: So I know this wasn't a criteria of it. Um, I think Edward Shale goes at 14, but I don't think it's Pittsburgh. I think Kyle Dubas is at the request of ownership, looking to retool quickly, get as much as he can out of Crosby, Malkin, and Letang. Um, I think that, that pick gets traded. I can't say to who. I, I don't have a guess there. I think Edward Chalet is probably somebody that a team is going to look at who's left and go, I, he's going to go in the next couple of picks. He's our guy. Let's make a move for him. So I have Edward Chalet going at 14. I don't know if it'll be Pittsburgh still making that pick, but I think somebody moves into that spot to take him. Oh, um if if we did
3: trades in this, I would be here all night. <laughs> I have so many. Yeah. Oh yeah, oh, no,
0: boy. there's there's a ton of them. It's it's more about who's going where and less about who's actually definitely. definitely. Um I'll keep us going. 15 Nashville. I think they go Braden Yeager. I think there's definitely gonna be a need at center in the years to come. Um honestly, I think fifteen's kind of a fall for him. I had him uh, I think like seventh when we started the year, uh, like our our end of draft way too early mock draft. I think I had Jaeger at seven. Um, I think he he slips a little bit at fifteen. I think he had a fantastic playoff. Um, I think Nashville's getting a real a real gamer there at fifteen. Grandy, who you got?
1: I have them um, stopping Axel Sanding Pelika's slide here.
0: Tim, who you got at 15 in Nashville?
3: I think Barry Trotz is going to get a very Barry Trotz kind of guy, and I think that guy is uh, Colby Barlow. I think he goes, in my opinion, too early, but I think Nashville's where he's going.
0: That's interesting because at 16 going to Calgary, I have Colby Barlow. Uh, But before I ask you guys who you have at 16, when you said Barry Trotz pick, I was actually expecting Dmitry Simashev, considering Barry Trotz being a very defensive minded guy, six foot four, smooth skater, strong defensive defenseman. But I do like the Kobe Barlow pick. Um, but on to Calgary at sixteen, last pick. Tim, who you got?
2: So this is where I think uh, Sandy and Palika ends up. Grandy? They are going Nate Danielson to replace some of the
1: center depth there trading away this offseason.
0: Yeah, that, that will definitely be need that, that actually changes a lot because when we mocked, we weren't looking at the fact that Lindholm was going to be gone, um, the potential that Toffoli was going to be gone. There, there was real, real talk it, that it, they would be looking for a defenseman, and that might not be the case anymore.
2: And it
1: sounds like this team is, it sounds like there's two teams that are just having absolute fire sales right now. Philly and Calgary, everyone potentially available.
0: The, the difference between the two teams, though, here, and tell me if I'm wrong or if you guys get the same impression, Philly is doing it because Daniel Breer comes in and realizes that they need to do it. Calgary is doing it because the players don't want to be there anymore.
2: Oh, absolutely, 100%. Calgary is doing this because they're forced thoughts to him well Cal yeah it's really too bad
3: Calgary's just kind of falling apart at the seams here um, it's I think all those players are I think Elias Lindholm is a much better player than I think people think he is but maybe that's just me um,
2: oh he's a fantastic all be con-
3: player Right, and I mean, I think a lot of people have look at last season and they kind of forget how incredible he was the year before. Um, and I, th- I think Lindholm could be, uh, could be a fringe number one center on a lot of teams. Um, if we
1: were doing, uh, if we were doing mock in this our mock draft, I would actually have Detroit trading nine overall to Calgary for him.
3: I'm not unconvinced that they're trading their later pick for him or to it, but I guess that's another podcast
0: <laughs> yeah, you know when you have players that basically say we're on our way out um and these are the teams that we want to play for, I think it's kind of hard to get complete value. I think it hurts the team from a position of strength so i I agree it is for another podcast, but. Interesting thought, Grandy. I like it. So uh, moving on to our our second and final listener question here. Is this the draft GMBA and his staff finally draft someone out of the OHL? The only prospect from the OHL in GMBA's tenure so far has been the signing of Anson Thornton. Gentlemen, thoughts?
2: It's not going to be in the first round.
1: It's not going to be in the second round, but the OHL just has too many prospects for it to not happen eventually. I would love to keep the meme alive and keep it going, but I think this
0: is the this is the drafted breaks. Kind of like is is he gonna take anybody under six feet, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, Tim, do the coyotes take somebody from the OHL this year? Well,
3: I really hope so. Uh I think there's a few later round picks, uh a couple guys I would take in the second or third round. Um the OHL has been kind of devoid of uh super high end talent, it feels like. Um maybe there's just because I'm used to them being one of the bigger producers. Um and you know me being an OHL guy, I live you know, I live 10 minute drive from Kitchener Rangers, the Memorial Auditorium. Um I miss the days of uh you know going to the Rangers game and seeing like the next best thing come come into town every other weekend. Um but uh yeah, there's a lot of good players. There's a lot of guys that I enjoy. I posted about uh Carson Rankoff uh possibly being one of those guys. Um he's just a player that you know I feel like fits the mold and has good potential. I had I had uh, a scout reach out to me and say uh, I I think you're wrong, but I hope you're right <laughs> uh, because just you know there's such a varying degree of people how they feel about the OHL in general, but also just you know larger guys in that league and leagues like the Q where you know are you good or are you just a bully because you're a full grown you're like you're you're a six two six three guy uh, playing against a bunch of you know some some very small people so i i do think this year we get an ohl player um i think it'll be a value guy later in the draft um hopefully earlier than that but um uh i do think we'll take somebody i don't think it's by design i think that i think we don't draft uh, certain players by design but i don't think we're avoiding the ohl for some specific reason
0: you know, I I wanna say Edmonton. I I believe it was Edmonton. Um they basically came out and said they don't have an area scout in the OHL right now or in the WHL or something like that. Um it almost makes you wonder if that's common practice that some teams just avoid certain leagues based on play style. Um and I find that to be absolutely
3: insane sorry to cut you off but oh yeah no
0: i i do too but you know there's (laughs) some you you have to look at some gms in the league and go that guy's not all there he's not you know uh, he's he's it's 1980 (laughs) to him still and there's something missing and it makes you wonder if certain teams just have Uh, Almost like what we talked about with, you know, Russian players or European players and certain scouts having an aversion to taking them based on, you know, whatever, but calling it character issues and whatnot. You know, maybe there's when, when you have two players who are basically interchangeable later in the draft and you go, well, this guy's in the OHL and this guy's over in, you know, the J20 league in Europe. But we're going to go with the J20 guy because I like the league he's in more. I think it offers, you know, better development. Um, I think the traits they learn there, you know, are are better for the NHL game. You know, however that works out. I I do think some of those things come into play Um, for what it's worth. um, 30 players were taken from the OHL in the 2021 NHL draft. 35 players were taken in the 2022 NHL draft. It's not a huge number when you're looking at well over 200 players taken. Um, There's 56 players uh, on Central Scouting's final draft day ranking out of the OHL this year. Statistically speaking, I mean, if you're talking about more than 10% of players coming out of the OHL and the Coyotes having twelve picks, statistically speaking, yeah, they're they've got to take at least one. You would think, but who knows? I mean, there might be something about you know, if you're not, uh, let's say, the Coyotes are interested in Oliver Bonk, and he drops a little bit, they move up into the end of the first round, they grab him. There's quantifiable talent there. It's not as much of a dart throw. Whereas later on, I, I do think the league that guys play in could come into play, not so much between the OHL, WHL, and the Q, or the USHL, but when you're talking about playing overseas, uh, playing in Russia, playing in Europe leagues, playing in Nordic leagues, I do think there, there is some bias based on the, the area scouts that you, you hire and who you have most faith in. So if they don't take anybody in the first two rounds, I think it's, or in the first three rounds, excuse me, I think it's less likely that they take anybody out of the OHL. Um, But I I do think they got to take one this year.
1: One thing I do want to point out too, because I know when I first started getting into the draft, it felt like every single Coyotes pick was coming out of the OHL. And that's because for a long time, for way longer than we should have. We didn't have scouts in Europe. We didn't have scouts in Russia. We had one part-time scout covering the entire continent. That's changed, and you've seen the Coyotes dip into Europe a lot more over the last couple of years as a result. Um, and I think that, more than anything else, has been what's changed about that but also it almost feels like too where maybe not with the depth of talent but with the overall top level of talent the whl and ohl almost switched places where the whl has a lot of the top talents coming out of the chl over the last two years
0: i would agree with that i would definitely agree with that and then then the other thing that a lot i think a lot of people don't think about is that Even when you're not talking about some of the top prospects, um, leagues overseas, you have loan programs where you might have a junior contract with this team, but you might get three or four games loaned to you know this um, second tier league, you know that that isn't so much a juniors league but you're going to play against men. It's not comparable to the NHL, but you're going to get the experience of playing against more physically mature players. And I think maybe that plays a little bit into that tiebreaker there where yeah, we could take this guy out of the CHL or, you know, this guy played 10 games in a B league over in Osvenka, and, you know, for their, their B level league. and. We like the fact that he's already got that and we saw how his game changed when he went back to his junior team and we saw his adaptability. So we're going to take him instead. I, those are, I I can't say those things actually happen, but to me, they have to be looked at as an advantage for European players because you are constantly moving.
1: The other thing you have, too, is just the ability to sign them to your AHL team if you need to that you do not have with anyone coming out of the CHL leagues for at least two years.
0: Yeah, one one year on some of the overagers um, or, or very late birthdays, I think, uh, like early September birthdays, where they're basically a full year over the age, um, you can get a couple of those guys in. At that point, but yeah, I, uh, the, the CHL NHL agreement is terrible for developing prospects. And I'm sure that plays a factor as well. So, um, I, I hope that answers your question. Um, we got two questions for Tim here before we wrap things up. Um, Tim, every guest that comes on our show, we ask for a Mount Rushmore of coyotes, it doesn't necessarily have to be players. It can be league officials. It can be anybody that's been in the front office. Basically anybody that's had an impact on the team, <laughs> on the ice, off the ice. Um, you know, we've had Lindsey Fry, we've had Gary Bettman, we we've had different names, Late Nicardo. So we've had Chris Kalanos because of his goal yeah. against Patrick Waugh. So any four for any reason, who would they be? Oh man. My rushmore. Okay, so Shane Don because come on. Um It's funny because come on is actually the answer everybody gives when they say Shane Doan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well it's come on. <laughs> you know? <There's> no other <laughs> way to
3: say it. Um I will come on the come on. Uh so yeah, so we got donor in there. And then I really, I really, really gotta put uh Keith Kachuk there because he is what got me into the hockey and the coyotes. Um I my first coyotes game I ever watched, uh I think I was like four years old, four or five years old, and my dad was watching hockey night in Canada late game, coyotes in Toronto, and and I watched Keith Kachuk just absolutely tear it up and I was like this is the coolest shit I've ever seen in my life and that was the and that was it for me so um so Walt's Walt's up there big Walt's up there um Craig Morgan man he's up there we're we're nowhere without that guy I've been I've been reading everything he's written since his days his newspaper days and everything in between I can't even remember where he started when I started reading his work online and stuff um yeah that guy's phenomenal he's such a good dude i i luckily got to meet him finally uh, after like dming and stuff like bugging him questions i got to meet him at the draft last year um and uh yeah he's he's amazing best journalist i'm so glad he's ours in this for this team um so i got shane i got big walt i got craig and then Literally, you have to put Gary Bettman there because without him, we're we're gone. Uh, I think it, I I don't think this cut and dry is like he's the only reason why we're here. I think the well there um, the Phoenix market is one that even if they left, they'd have to go back to one day. You can't leave that untouched. It's and it, it just makes the most sense for the league and revenue and everything to make it work finally. So but
0: Gary is a legend. All right, I like it. So this question isn't one that necessarily started with the show, but it's one that I won't let die. Um, what animal could you beat in a fist fight? What What's the most fierce animal you could beat in a fist fight?
2: Well, I love dogs. I hate to say this,
3: but I know for a fact that I can beat uh rabid German Shepherd in a fist fight because I had to do it. Uh <laughs> uh I was walking I was walking around my neighborhood with my uh girlfriend and her dog. Uh my old neighborhood. Um and there's this group of people who would chill by this ravine and this dog this German shepherd would just walk around off a leash. And we'd always avoid them. And one day we got a little too close and it just came running over and tried to mount our dog. And it was like, really, like, I was like, okay, how do I deal with this? And it started like biting our dog on the neck. And so I just like instinct took over I just grabbed it by this, it's scruff. And I tried to pull it off and it turned around and bit my arm. And just out of sheer instinct, I just punched it right in the head. And I felt so bad. But in the moment, it was insane. Like, I was bleeding out of my arm. It was this whole thing. Kind of have but, to do it. But I fucking won. So, that's my answer.
0: <laughs> so, the, the fiercest animal would be a German Shepherd. All right. Buddy, I'm still... I got, I'm I, lucky look, I survived. Look, I, I could take down a 200-pound female crocodile. Because I've seen Steve Irwin do it. So... <laughs> I mean that that's just me. I'll let you have that's that one.
3: Me. I'll let you have that one, buddy. I'm not I'm not gonna test my luck.
0: Yeah, yeah. Nobody, nobody seems to want to, and nobody's actually dared me to do it. So um I'm not I, even sure I, where I, I I'm not even sure I where I could pay, go do I would it. Pay good money for this. I, I don't even know where I can go do it. But either Florida. way, um Florida. I, Let's go. All right, well you gotta <laughs> pay for my trip out to Florida. Um <laughs> But, yeah, so either way, I, I'm still top of the leaderboard with Crocodile. Um, I think Grandy said a gopher or something like that. Uh, that Chad Rooster. Rooster. There we go. Um, yeah. But, all right, well, we'll get ready to wrap this up. This was our draft primer. Um, Tim, it was great to have you on. Love the insight. It's always great to hear from you know people who listen, people who follow the draft, people who just follow the coyotes and want a platform. We are 100% fan driven podcast. Um we're just friends on here talking hockey, talking about, you know, what we see, what we want, what we think and you know, we want to share that with everybody. We'd love to have anybody who wants to come on, come on and join us. Feel free to send us a DM. Tim, we'd love to have you back for another episode as well. Uh, You know, maybe after the draft, we'll talk about who the Coyotes took, and you know, talk a little bit about the arena and and what we think going forward. Yeah, Speaking man. Speaking of, it's don't forget. Don't Go ahead, Randy.
1: Don't, don't forget next uh during the first round of the NHL draft, we will be hosting a live stream using our new recording software. We have it will be video. You will get to see our ugly faces. But it will definitely be worth the tune in. We're gonna have some giveaways during it. It's just it's gonna be a lot of fun. We're all gonna have fun. We're all gonna relax, just have a good time, talking and draft with each other.
0: Maybe so, uh maybe we could talk to him in a video calling us from the draft so we can get some footage there. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. I'll be too busy uh glued
3: to my phone slash uh waiting intently, but I might be able
0: to sneak a call in there. There we go. All right. Well, from all of us here at the Chirpin and Yotes podcast, this was a fireside chat, uh, a draft primer edition. Um, after our lottery special, we'll shift focus to, or I'm sorry, not a lottery special, our live draft special. We'll be shifting focus to free agency, and the rest of the offseason, back to some arena talk, Clayton Keller, and the timeline there, amongst plenty of other things. So from all of us here at the Chirping Yotes Podcast, thank you for listening. Uh, don't forget to rate and review us. Give us five stars wherever you listen, and have a great
2: night.